All right, quick announcement before we get to the podcast, but we're giving away a really sweet rifle setup. Right now through the end of October, if you go over to the Elk Hunt course and you sign up, you're going to be automatically entered to win a Weatherby Backcountry 2.0 in the 338 RPM. And not only the rifle, we're going to top that rifle with a Maven Optics RS1 rifle scope and Weatherby's going to hook you up with some ammo. This is a sweet Backcountry Elk rifle and the total package is over $4,000. So be sure to get your name in the October sweepstakes. And, you know, if you want to be a better elk hunter, this course is going to give you a few frameworks that I've learned over the years, and it's packed with some really, really great information. Go check out all the testimonials that people have taken it. They love it. And now's a great time to take the course because all of the mistakes that we made from this past season are fresh in our mind and we can say, oh, that's what I did wrong. So go check it out. It's the Elk Hunt uh, 201 course. Uh, it's, it links in the show notes. You can go to the Rich Outdoors page and go straight to there. But get your name in now to get entered into this $4,000 Weatherby Maven Optics package. This is a sweet gun. Go get signed up. All right, Bill. Welcome to the podcast, man. How are we doing? Uh, I'm doing great. What's going on? Well, I got to give you a, a formal congrats. Uh, you know, big big weekend for you. I ran into you at the TAC event here in Bozeman, and you you won uh, the, the World Calling Championships or whatever. And so, congrats on that. Kind of a big weekend for you. You happen to also launch your kind of new call company, which is like I don't know if you could time that more perfect to like you know launch and win in the same weekend. I was like, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> You know, that's I, I was kind of shooting for the stars when uh, we decided on the launch date. I'm um, like, guys, like, let's let's rush it. Let's get it here. Like, I've been practicing, you know, probably I could have been practicing more. But I mean, I'm like, you know, last year I won it this year. Like, I'm I, I, I'm going to try and do it like this. Let's let's create let's launch this thing and blow it out of the water, you know. And uh, I, I, I mean, I was pretty speechless, uh, you know, after after everything that happened. <laughs> well, dude, you know. congrats. I mean, that's super cool. Uh, and I was actually, we, we ran into each other and I was talking to one of my buddy, Ryan Carter. And he's like, man, Bo is so good. He's like, I can just tell what it's Bo up there. It just sounds so realistic. So <laughs> yeah, he had nothing but good things to say about your calling skills. Well, I appreciate it. It's taken a lot of years to actually get to the point where people are actually kind of understanding my calling, if that makes sense. I really haven't changed a whole lot through all these years, but People are starting to feel the paint the picture, you know what I mean? And they're seeing it and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. So how old were you when you first started, like when you put a reed in your mouth, like when did you start calling elk? Man, I've been calling elk since I was like seven. So, I mean, I've been, I've been, and honestly, out of everything I do, as far as calling wise, like it's just always, that's just the one thing that's always come pretty naturally, you know, because I, I grew up around my dad and my mom, I, my mom elk hunted a lot. And my dad hunt elk hunted a lot. My brother, I mean, just all of us, my whole family, just elk hunters. So, you know, it just all came together. And dad, dad is a phenomenal caller as well. So I, not necessarily taught me a whole lot, but he, I just listening to him. You know what I mean? Right. Just picking it up, just hearing it, like what it's supposed to sound like at another yeah. level is hundred yeah. percent. Um, dude, I want to get into the, some of the calling stuff. You launched this call company. Um, and you know, you got some an, an interesting or some interesting products, I should say. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of circle back to some of that stuff, but I want to talk about like elk hunting tactics, um, you know, all the stuff that makes you tick, uh, what makes you a good elk hunter, so to speak, or like what, maybe what you think makes a good elk hunter. Um, yeah. I mean, he, like you've spent, so your dad's a, you know, been in the elk world forever. I think everybody has looked up to him and like for you to get the first row, uh, front row seats to like learning how to elk hunt, that's pretty special. Um, yeah. so I, you know, I'd love to like, just pick your brain on like, you know, what's your, your style, your tactics, whatever. And I think, you know, just in a little bit, I've talked to you, you kind of have a different perspective than some people I would say, because it seems like, you know, people have a call company and all they want to do is challenge Google everything. So like, if you could circle back, like what, what is your, like, you know, 30,000 foot view, what's your go-to elk hunting tactics or like, you know, like out the box, what style do you consider yourself a caller? Do you consider yourself like, you know, something else or like, wh where do you like, what box do you put yourself in? I don't want to, I, I I'll tell you one thing out of any type of hunting, I do not want to be a caller timing is everything saying knowing what you're saying and when to say it is everything so there's a lot of times when I, I i don't say a dang thing and 
snap a twig right here. He just blows up and comes running in. You know what I mean? It's just and getting in there and getting into his bedroom and popping that bubble is half the battle, if not more than half the battle. Then, then if you can say a little something here and there to get him to come out of his bed and or get in front of him or whatever, there's a lot of different situations. You know, I'm a, I'm a fairly, um, it depends on the day, but I'm a fairly patient elk hunter because I do, I've guided a lot. And elk season in Oregon starts in August, not, not this year, but normally, I mean, there's some years it's August 23rd and they're not all the way cranked up yet, but you know, I got to sit, I wait, I call, I listen just for the tiniest branch to break. And that's, in my opinion, some of the best time to kill an elk is when it's super susceptible before he gets cows. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and you know, it's really fun to get in a meatball and have bulls screaming everywhere, but everyone's been there. You got satellites that might be coming in. And or which I'm believe me, I am not above shooting a satellite. I would, <laughs> the first guy that comes in, I might smoke him. But I've also been in situations where I want to shoot that six point that's, that's running the cows. And, you know, before he gets those cows where he just gets a few cows that September one to my favorite day, September 8th, which everyone loves September 15th, which September 15th is awesome. But September 8th, it seems like in their head, that September 1 to 8, they just snap. You know, yeah. and if you, but it usually takes a while, like I'll sit on a knob or I'll get in, in just a spot just smells like elk and I'll sit there and I'll wait, make sure my wind's right and just sit there and call for 30 minutes. And all of a sudden you hear <laughs> down in the bottom, you're like, okay, that's our first one. You may call three or four more times. He doesn't answer. Then you'll answer again, just a little bit harder. And then, then just boom, 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 boom. And I've had them come all the way from the bottom of a drain and just the whole way up screaming their heads off. And it's just like it's September 15th. And usually they're pretty big bulls. You know, you can get those bigger bulls that are first moving down from, you know, a lot of elk I've seen it. You, know, you see it in Colorado, you see it in Oregon, you see it in Washington. They'll live up there in that high stuff and they'll move their way down. And if you can intercept them before they get down to the cows, it's a great time. Because they're thinking about it. That's why they're moving, but yeah. they're not all there yet. And yeah. Yeah. So, I remember, um, this one time I was, uh, it was in Oregon and I was sitting up on this knob and I knew there was elk in here because there's always elk in there that first week and it must've been still August. And I sat up there and I'd, you know, just cow call a little bit, maybe chuckle here or there, throw out a little wine bugle and it, yeah, 30, 40 minutes maybe goes by before I heard that first, you know, chuckle. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. They just like barely hear it. You're like, what was that? And, I, and my buddy's like, how did you know? And I was like, dude, it just takes a long time. And he goes, I would have walked right by, I would have bugled maybe two or three times and I would have walked right by that. And I was like, yeah, like that early season, man, if you know, there's elk there, sometimes you really got to be patient. Cause like, they'll just sit down there and wait and wait and wait. But like you said, sometimes you'll get them fired up. And you know, from that moment, it took you 30 minutes to get the first bugle. It's not uncommon that 30 minutes later, he's on top of you. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. just, it, yeah. it goes fast. And or you hear a twig break and he's yeah. right. And that, that happens a lot. It's just the patience game. And, and it even happens in the middle of the day later in the season. You know, you get a hot day in the middle of the day in the middle of, you know, totally. middle part of the season. And you just, once you start getting them back, woke up again, I will say the only state that I do have a problem with it was Nevada. When I hunted Nevada for the first time, my dad, as soon as it got to that 90 something degrees during the day, they're like, no, no, <laughs> but other states like Oregon, I get 85 degrees and I just, I know it's cold in that spot. They're down in a hole and there's wa water and stuff. It, it just seems like once you get one going, it's like, it turns them back on again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's interesting. Well, um, we're totally diving into some tactic stuff right here, but like uh, one of the, one of the decisions you got to make. So let's just hypothetically work back to, you know, it's day two or three of the season. Uh, you're in Oregon, you get a bowl of pipe off. Do you move towards him or let him come to you? Because I think most people, and you kind of alluded to like getting his bubble, but a lot of times, like I would just, I would try to find a better spot than I am now, a good, you know, a good setup spot. Uh, and maybe a little bit between him and me, but a lot of times that bowl is going to come all the way up. And I've had a really difficult time nailing down getting to him because like like you said he'll he'll answer once and then he won't freaking say a damn word and like 
Yeah, he's coming. Or and what he'll do is he'll come, listen, come, listen. And so, dude, come, sneaking up or getting close to him, it's not the time to go challenge Bugle. Like you, you just gotta, no. you gotta let him come to you. Uh, so, yep. what's your like go to there? Like you similar, just gotta you know sit on a bench or something. Well, usually I we and this is something I actually learned from my dad. Early season, we walk up and we look like you know there's there's usually elk right here, right? There's or, or you know there's probably a bull down here. We're gonna call. Okay, the wind's good right now. Let's just get in the spot. We're set up. We're ready to go. And we'll sit and call and call and call and call and call. And then all of a sudden he answers. You know, if I'm in that spot, then I'm just going to let him come. You know what I mean? And just sit there and listen because you're not going to hear – he's not going to bugle a lot of times. He's he's going he's gonna to break a branch or he's going to rake a little bit. And a lot of times that I do after I get him to answer like that, I start raking. I'm just <laughs> – it's not like – September 25th, where I take a, you know, a stick the size of my, you know, it's it, but you know, uh, it's, it's a small stick, just breaking a few branches, just kind of making him paint the picture, you know, is that's just, that's just adding that much more of an element of, uh, to the, to the picture you're painting for this bull. If I'm in a spot where I'm just like, I walk up to the top of the hill on the, and I'm kind of glassing, calling and the answers, I'll get off the top a little bit, move down because a lot of times that's when my, thermals are moving up if i'm on the top you never know which way it's going to go so i get just over the the edge i get set up where i can see a few shoot lanes and i got to think through what's going to happen there nine times out of ten he's not going to do exactly what you want him to right but <laughs> if you have a b c d and you can and I'm, we'll get into this in a minute but you can point your calling in the direction you kind of generally want him to go because i never like to call necessarily directly at him right. and so you know um Early season's a funny thing, um, but it's just amazing how far a bull will come when he hasn't been messed with yet. You know what I mean? Totally. The first time you get, the first time he gets called that is the best time to kill him, in my opinion. First time that you get him wound up. Do you think it's more like he's been called at, or do you think it's like once he gets in cows, you know, it's kind of, and even if he's not with the cows, like a lot of bulls will, so he lives by himself. I'm just going to paint this picture. He lives by himself. All of a sudden you, you find him, you call him, he may yep. come up or whatever, but like you pretty much got him in the mood. Now he's like, all right, let's go find some cows. No matter what yep. happens, like he's going to go look for cows. Now, yep. a lot of people think like, oh, he's going to go be a herd bull. Well, that's not exactly the case. I find more often like he'll go to those cows and he'll be in the area. And yep. to me, that's hard to call. Even that's hard to call him away from that. Cause he's like, he knows where the herd is. You know, he may not, maybe he's going in at night, check in, but he knows where he knows what's going on. And once they kind of figure out that dynamic, it's tough to call them away. Maybe a little bit, you know, you can they play the like curiosity game with like, there's still bulls checking each other out and all those things. But that, that scenario that you painted where it's like that bull's kind of been living by himself. And you just like told him like, Hey, rut's going to happen. You know, like, let's go. Um, that to me is like, that's a great time to call that bull. And I don't know, maybe it is like, he just hasn't been messed with, but I feel yeah. like it's like, once he, once he finds the herd, you know, and he's not in that, like going from, you know, his bachelor life to, to like being a, you know, a herd bull, like that time is perfect, but you know, it could go either way. Yeah, absolutely. I think they come down a lot of these bulls and they'll keep checking through groups sometimes. So, right. Yep. They'll find, check this group, check that group. Um, and it's just, it's really hard because like on the private stuff that I've hunted, I've seen, I've seen them come down and they hang out with the group. And then they, then they move, you know, they go like all of a sudden they're a long ways away or they'll get glued to their side. When they get glued to their side, it gets, it can be hard, but at the, at the same time when they get glued in there too, and they get bedded down and they're, then they're protective, you know, that the human element too can really play that. Totally. Play that. Totally. You know, play that. And that's why, you know, that's, I, I say like just, it's, it's just the same thing as a turkey. And, and, and the first time you mess with them and he hasn't heard calling yet, you know, like really heard calling. Maybe someone's, it doesn't matter. Someone's called for, you know, it, right. you know Roosevelt elk hunter standing up on the road, bugles <laughs> off in there and they don't answer, you know, right. it's, and, and they just keep walking. You know, they've heard that, but that this is the first time he's got it. You've got in his face. You've got him to come, you know. And so it's a it's to me, it's just it's just patience, a patience game. And that's just and 
in general for public land elk, even early to late, it's a, it's, it's a patience game in my opinion, you know, being smart with your, with your cards, you know, if you need to move fast, you need to move fast. You know, when you're going to need to move fast most of the time. You when know, is that? When do you, when is like the, you know, like this is like the classic, no one to hold them, no one to fold them, but it's like 99% of the time you got to be more patient than you think. And then like 10%, yeah. well, 90%. And then 10%, like you got, most people are not moving fast enough. They're playing it too slow, you know? Yeah. So like for you, like, how would you define that? Or how would you like, man, you need to move fast in this situation. What's a situation get, get, example? Getting in front of them. So say they're moving up out of, out of agriculture, right? I want to get, get in front of them. I want to run. I want to be right in front of them. And so wind depending, right? Getting the wind right. However, right. but you know, they're moving up the mountain. I want to get in their face and be above them. I don't like following elk at all. You know, really? I like, no, if I follow elk, then you're just trying to get them to turn around. If you're in front of elk or just below them or whatever, you're guiding elk when you're calling at them. If that makes any mm, sense. Right, right. And so like you get, I got, I, I sit up there and I glass this field and bulls are coming out of the field because they go there every night. Okay. I, I'm watching him. Okay, he's gonna go up this ridge right here. I want to get in front of him because he's ten. He's nine times out of ten, he's way more likely to come in than go back down that hill. You know what I mean? Right. And so, if I have it my way, just get and try and be as fast as you can. Get in front of him, and once you get into that tight, you start getting tight. You know, then you can slow down. You start listening, calling, just trying to get him to come across there the way you want him to. You know what I mean? Yes, you can. I, I turn cows all the time too, you know, this, this calf calling at them. <laughs> if you get the cat, the cows to come, they'll come walking right past you. You know what mm. I mean? Absolutely. So I, I got a, a super curious question. Like we talked a little bit about you're kind of, you, you can do it all right. Like you can go hunt Roosevelt and, and bugle at them. Uh, you can hunt open country in that. Um, and actually, I don't know once uh, somebody told me this, that, you know, I think it was like an outfitter buddy that told me your dad is the best at moving through elk that he's ever seen. And uh, so I'm curious from that, I'm, I'm assuming you picked up some of that as well, but when do you decide, Hey, we're going to call in this situation or, Hey, we're going to just be silent and dog this herd. Like, how do you know when to call and when to put the calls away in a moving elk situation? I'm going to talk like, okay, you know, we spot a herd and you're like, okay, I'm going to slip in a call or I'm going to slip in and not call what, what kind of, what checklist goes through your head to make you decide? You know, it's, um, there's a few different things, you know, time of day, you know, you're in, you're in their bed or if they're moving, you know, if there's a few different herds coming through and you've got a specific bull you're after, like, we're just, I'm just gonna, I'm not going to say a dang thing. I'll call every once in a while, just, just to get them to pipe off, you know, mm -hmm. we sit there, we wait and we're like, okay. And it's hard because you're trying to find, trying to call at bugles because we, we use our ears a lot. We don't necessarily spot as much as other people right. do. There's a lot of people, Oregon, there's not as many opportunities to do that. Right. You know what I mean? It's pretty, it's pretty thick. And so, um, man, I, I usually like, especially there's a lot of, uh, especially if there's a lot of like satellite bulls, which will ruin everything, you know, we're just slipping, you know, and we'll rake here and there and just, just soft cow calling here and there. But, I mean, I, I shut up a lot and, and dang your belly crawl and get, I want to, I want to get in there to the point where I start seeing ears, you know what I mean? And then, and then I do, I, I am pretty, I, I do like to get in there and rip one off right in his, right in his bedroom and just, just feel, just feel the ground shaking. And he starts running around his cows because if he starts trying to grab his cows, he's going to come by me. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And he's running satellite bulls off as he's doing that run, run, run. And then, and I've, I've had it before where I'm moving through a bunch of elk and I've got, and I've got a six point on the hill I want. I remember it was so crazy. I watched him run the satellite bull off and I'm like, go, go, go. And I ran as hard as I could. And I just, I, and I knew his cows were below me and he was above me and I've never seen an elk come running in so hard in my life. And I just, <laughs> I, I ripped one off and he comes running down the hill you know, it's just, uh, it's just one of those things, like, it's hard to say when to, when to let it rip, because on, like, the public land situations, you know, as well as I do in Oregon, you know, from over-the-counter units to Winnehada, Mount Emily, to any of these other, and, and Washington's the same way, um, it, 
those bulls run off so hard when you call yeah. at them. As it gets later in the season, they're just boom, gone. And so even stepping on a twig sometimes will get them to go, which they're cagey, you know, it's on that, that. And that's why I do like, I like hunting them, like trying to get on my bulls early. You know what I mean? Before they get all cagey like that, because they act yeah. right early on. And, and it's, it's, I've seen it every year worse and worse. Um, but no, man, it's just like, I just got to know my scenario, know my place because I, I want to call elk. That's why I hunt elk. Right. <laughs> right. I want to call, I want to get them fired up. I, I, you know, there's a lot of bulls bugling in there. You know, temptation is to scream at them, you know, the whole way in. Yeah. But, but timing and being like surprise, you know, and, and it's, it doesn't have to be a bugle either. You can slip right into the edge of them. You know, he's just right there because you hear him raking and stuff and just, ah, ah, and, he, and he'll just stand up and cut. It's new, you know, he'll come running over and check it. You know what I mean? And so, or all this, you know, you just got to, got to know the scenario. Yeah. And it's like, it's so, it's so dependent. Um, you know, like you had mentioned, you, you kind of touched on it. It's like just time of season, time of season dictates so much and it'll be different if it's, you know, private land or, or public land. I think a lot of people watch like these highlight reels, you know, uh, you know, I grew up watching, you know, Primo's videos and like what you see in Primo's isn't real, realistically real life. Right. And so like, you know, screaming bulls and, you know, everywhere you look, there's bulls screaming and whatnot. Like, sure. You can get away with bugling. But the reality is like you had said, like the later you get in season, man, they get cagey, you know, that lead cow just wants to take things and run. And so like, it's almost Every like, the, you know, the farther you get into season, you know, the more reserved I get with my calling, even though, you know, the opposite is true is like the farther you get into season, the more run activity and all that's going on. But for me, a lot of the places I've hunted, I've just noticed that elk tend to act the opposite of the, what I wanted it to happen. So like yeah. as season goes on, you know, I think about hunting in Idaho and like that last week into season, man, it feels like if you just blow a call, like they're out of there. Cause it's like, they've been messed with so much. Exactly. And so you're like, I'm just better off to get within bow range of the first cow and just hope something goes right. Now I definitely have a read in my mouth and I'm ready to just like bugle or calf, you know, calf call if I need to, because I need that like last little bit. But if like, I get up close to a herd and I can't even see the bull, right? Like, I don't think I want to yep. just be screaming right there. Like I, it's got, I, I may get him to move 10 yards or 20 yards, but like getting him to go 50 or 60 yards to the other side of the herd might not happen. So you're like, it's just totally risky. So that's why it's like hundred percent agree. Like time of year really matters, but you know, yeah. knowing what to say, when to say it, timing is also crucial. I'll tell you that later in the season, if I'm going to bugle, it's not a big bugle either, man. Like it's, it's just a squealy little guy. And I'm trying to just, I'm trying to just, I'm in your space type of deal. Not I'm the biggest thing that's ever come in here. I'm about to knock your door. I, I do not do early, believe it or not, a big, big bull early season. If we get back and forth, back and forth, he's kind of acting funny. I'll rip a big one off right at him and he'll just, he'll, he'll turn on a dime. You know what I mean? If it's usually the big bulls that do it, small bulls right. are like, no. And, but, you know, the, it, it's, it's, it's nine times out of 10. It's just a, you know, just a little tiny thing. And I put it, put my tube right here behind me and I bugle down at the ground behind me. So he's like, whoa, 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 where'd that come from? Man. You know? And so just trying to sound like a little satellite bull. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that this has only happened a couple of times, but I have noticed um, I've had bulls that didn't feel like they were giving me the time of day. Cause I wasn't big enough. Like you get a bull that's got, let's just say two or three different satellites and he's getting messed with all morning. Like if you yeah. just pipe off and you sound like a five point chances are, he's like, man, I got three, five points with an eye shot. I don't need to come for you. Right. Like, you know, so, you know, if you can sometimes get him bigger, there's a, a bull I killed. It was actually a Roosevelt and I was slipping in on this bull and it was kind of just, I was paralleling him as he was coming up to this bench. And, you know, I'm piping off, but he would not come. He would not come. And, you know, the couple of times he'd come right to the edge and I'd get a look at him and he'd, he'd bugle. I mean, I'd bugle at him. He'd go back, you know, same thing. He'd come to that edge and I'd bugle at him. He'd bugle at me and he would go away. And I was like, man, finally, I just got, you know, the just lit ball and just as big as I could sound. And that's when he started coming farther. He's like, okay. Yeah. You know, and then it was like, I got him raking. Uh, he starts raking and I get him shot. But 
I 100% believe like he probably had satellites right there. He wasn't going to come this, you know, do anything to me because I didn't sound big enough. But as soon as I like started sounding bigger and he was like, okay, who's this guy? You know, like, so you have to watch that too. I would say, I would say on just from that situation to being louder, right. getting more of the space. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That also can help a ton in them. You know, and that's why we, I have a quote unquote, I call it a grab bag of sound. You know, I've got like five or six different cows that I can do. And I've got a f- quite a few different bull sounds I can do. And I'm going through it. Like I, I, like I said, you get him to come and he's not quite coming. You get, then I'm, at the same time, I'm moving, changing positions constantly, trying to get that whatever works. And, you know, eventually you're going to trigger it. And it could be a calf call. It could be a loud big bull. It could be, you know, when, especially when you're playing that game of chess right there, you know, it could have been you getting in just a tad to the left and then right, right straight out his, in, in his, in his bed, you yeah. know, and he's like, Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm t- I'm done. And so there's yeah. a, there's a lot to it though. So what's like your go-to, like, um, you know, you have go-to sounds like I'm, I'm assuming like everyone's kind of got like, Oh yeah, I got a challenge bugle. I got a locate bugle. Like what are some of your unique sounds? You're such a good caller and you have such an arsenal of noises and whatnot. Do you have any that are like outside of what people would consider normal? Uh, like I, I think about like some, just some of the bull sounds you make, like on your competitive side, just like sounding like a big bull, just the way they, you know, make these noises and not just like a bugle. Like, do you use those in the field or like, what do you have in, in your arsenal of tricks that maybe some people don't? Um, man, it's really, that's a, that's a tough question. Because there's a lot of things I do in a competition scenario that I definitely don't do <laughs> that big, that big lip ball that I do. I've never had any luck with that. Sounds too big. <laughs> it sounds. It, I I have more fun calling in people with that. But uh, <laughs> no, man. Like, like that little. Like I, my chuckle, man. That's kind of where I feel like we thrive. You know, the it's. Let me, I I don't know if it, it'll probably cancel it out, but. <laughs> And it's, you know, that's that kind of reminds me of Roosevelt's, you know, this, the, <laughs> that's one of my favorite sounds on the planet. It, it works early season, works late season, works, you know, the whole night. There's a lot of times I don't even bugle and I just get in his bedroom and just chuckle at him. And it, it's not the, well, <laughs> the crazy one. It's just, it's just, <laughs> I'm right here and it sounds good. And what I do is I'll take my tongue. And I'll kind of flatten it out on the call. I use my tip, my tongue for everything in my calling, but I flatten it out for that one. Just <laughs> and it really, really, really gets them gets them fired up. I'll make some of those like growl noises sometimes when I'm like just trying to fire them up. But as far as like bugles go, my go-to is like I'll take my call and I put it underneath my armpit right here. <laughs> A little itty bitty bitty guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. As as loud as I can be, you know, for for slipping on bulls, you know what I mean? Not locating them, locating them. I'm like too loud, too long, and just I'm trying to go into every nook and cranny in that canyon, trying to get them to go, you know. And a lot of times there's there's you got to feel his temperature, you know. A lot of times I'm not doing that super long big giant bugle at them in their face you know what i mean and so it's just that's just my style there's a lot of people like Corey's very very he, that's what he likes to do he likes to bugle bugle at them real loud and but um you know i rely on cow calling a lot too and you know i kill a lot of elk just calling get, getting in the cow's face and calf calling and i take that tip of my tongue and I push like literally the tip of my tongue and it's right behind my teeth. And, you know, and just get her all fired up. And when they get fired up, then the bull gets fired up and things start to change. You know what I mean? But- totally. Uh, it's funny, Cam. You know, I just had this conversation the other day. Uh, we were at Ryan's Elk Summit and um, Corey Miller and I were, we were chatting there. And he's like, you know, like there's a million things you could do. And I think people get wrapped around 
what to do in what situation, everything is perfect. But I think, you know, a lot of the great hunters, they've kind of figured out the two, three, maybe four things that work, right? They're like, I, man, this, this, this little thing works, this little thing works. And then they kind of know they have these three, right? And I go into every situation and I'm probably going to pull one of those three lures every time, right? It's kind of like if you were, you know, fishing, you'd be like, man, this one seems to work every time I use it. Uh, and so yep. you kind of have a couple different options and, and not getting like, oh, what is the perfect thing to say at the perfect time? It's just like, I'm going to, like, if you have like a good calf call, you got a good, you know, locate bugle and you know, like, man, sometimes I like to get close midday and just chuckle and see if I can get that bull, you know, chuckling and raking, like, you know, just having a couple different tactics and not getting overwhelmed with a million different things you can do. Like what the reality is, is like, if you had three tactics and you wanted to kill a six point bull you could kill a six point bull every single year with those three tactics. You didn't need a whole envelope. Um, True. There's a lot of people that kill six point bulls with just cow calling. Right. Yep. Yep. And, 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 and you just get in, get in there and it's more about timing and, and wisdom and we'll call it woodsmanship slipping in and getting where you need to be, you know? And I mean, there's, I've called, we call in a lot of bulls, just cow calling at them and, probably do better off as soon as you rip off a bugle half those bulls get weird you know what i mean and, <laughs> totally. so, and, and and on the other side you know if if your bugle sounds really really good there's some of them that won't answer anything but a bugle you got to feel the temperature of that bull and right. you got to gauge what he's saying you know what i mean like if your cow if you cow calls seven times and he doesn't answer and you bugle wants and he answers probably a reason for that right you know what i mean totally. and if, if you and if you bugle seven times and you cow call once and he cuts you off, you better you better th- better listen to him. And if you rake, don't they don't answer any of it, and you rake, and then you hear him starting to rake back or he chuckles, it's there's a reason for that. Right, right. Every yeah, every elk is very different. Um, one of the things we kind of touched on before the podcast, and I want to talk about this because this is uh, you know my core thing or core belief is that I always say you have to separate killing elk and finding elk. And I think a lot of people go out and they like, Oh, I'm going to go hunt this area. I'm going to go here. And they kind of hunt it or they go here. And I look at it, um, as, and this is growing up hunting Roosevelt and you had kind of mentioned bugling at night. And I don't know how many times I didn't sleep. Cause I've spent all night looking for elk. Like I had to find elk. Like I treat it as if I have to have an elk by daylight and I'm not stopping until we do. And like, it's just going at a different level. And so I separate those still to this day. I separate those things as like finding elk and then there's hunting elk. I have to go a hundred miles an hour and find elk. Like if I don't have elk to hunt, I'm wasting time because like, it's just, you're, you know, hunting elk, you kind of got to go slow and, and, you know, methodical or whatever, but finding elk, you can go very, very quickly and, and find them. Like I'm, I have to have elk to hunt. Like that's the, you know, like I've always believed that talk a little bit about like for you is like, is that an importance? Like, say you went to a totally new area, you know, like how much, or what does your system look like for like finding elk? So I was uh, a few years ago, I was guiding in the Ochoco's, right? And so the Ochoco's is a unit in Oregon. I've never been, I've turkey hunted there. I've never elk hunted there before. Kind of got a little bit of help on where to go, but not really, you know. And as I find myself in this position a lot. I got to find elk for my clients for the next day. I have to learn new areas because I know there's elk in this spot, you know, most of the time, right? but I need something new because they're not working. Right. And so every day I've got to have these guys on bulls. And so like it gets, it gets tiring. Like you said, I get wore out. I spend, I go back to camp. We uh, eat some food. I'm not a very good guide, so I don't cook. I'm just like, Hey, let's (laughs) eat some top ramen. And I, I get like two hours of sleep, wake back up and I drive all night you know, till one and two in the morning, like, you know, 10 o'clock till two in the morning, just, just driving everywhere. And then like, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just run over the top of a hill, call into this spot, run back to the truck because they're so responsive at night. They're gun- they, they answer great. Or they're already bugling. It's right. awesome. You pull up and, and you just feel that cold air coming down from the mountain. And, and it just, and then it's just like, bleh, bleh. and, and okay, I got that one for tomorrow. Or the next day, I know that there are elk in this area. You know, I've seen tracks, but they're not bugling. Are there elk in here? And as soon as I get in there at daylight, he's still going. And I'm, I'll slowly make my way through there trying to get on him, you know. But it's just, 
that's one of my favorite tactics on finding these bulls and Roosevelt's works great, right? Rockies, it works great because Rockies go crazy at night. And, you know, a lot of times in a normal elk hunter's position, you're trying to find bulls, any bulls, not, not a big bull, but a bull to hunt right. for the next. And you could spend all day for two days, not hearing bulls. Totally. Well, you know, how you, you fix that is you go and you look for them at night and, and you, you do your extra homework because what the most successful elk hunters you'll meet are persistent. They don't come back for lunch. You know what I mean? They, they don't take naps in the middle of the day because that's some of the best elk hunting. You uh, go at night and look for bulls and you just stay completely persistent and you're willing to bounce around and look around in different units. So uh, not different units, but different areas. Totally. Totally. And covering more ground. Like, I think that's like the thing I learned, uh, just how much ground you got to cover. And I see so many people like they set up camp and, you know, they go to this spot in the morning and they go to this spot in the evening. I'm like, man, like we got, we got to have bigger areas, more ground to cover. Cause we're going to screw this up a lot. And like you said, like if you're only trying to find elk and this goes back to your point of that, you know, early September is great or, you know, late August, either early September is great, great, great for that. But gosh, dang it. It can be the slowest time of your life because, you know, 10 minutes after daylight, they shut up and you ain't going to find an elk to save your life until nope. like 10 minutes before dark. And so you got like, you know, let's just say 30 minutes on either end to make it happen. And, you know, if that's the only time you have to find elk, you have a 30 minute window to find elk. Like that's unrealistic. Like you, like you're not going to cover enough ground. It was like, oh. you know, if you're sleeping all night, man, I had, uh, I've had so many times and I, I don't know, to me is like, that is elk hunting is like driving around all night, looking for elk, bugling off, whatever, you know, hiking into somewhere, bugling, getting a new bowl. You're like, I knew there was elk in there. <laughs> and then like, you know, like out of there and I may not come back, but like, I know there's elk in this spot and this spot. And like, once I have, you know, for, I mean, that's, yeah. that's forever too. You know, bulls have been in there and you'll check yeah. that forever. It, 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 you can roll over rocks. Is that's the peak time to roll over a rock is in the middle of the night. You know, when I say rolling rocks, new spots. Okay. And, yeah. Yeah. Checking, checking, but not, I'm not throwing rocks down hills, guys. But, uh, <laughs> I was like, there's no, elk under rocks. <laughs> no, no, man. That's, that's when I find, that's when I find all my new bulls for the most part. And it's just, it's a, it's a learning curve, man, but it's, it's just persistence, man. Persistence is, is, is what pays off. And, and if you find a bull, Say you found three that night, early season, late season, whatever. Okay, you check this one in the morning. Awesome, didn't work out. Now, normally you'd be like, okay, I'm going to walk all day and you might be zero to hero real quick or I'm going to go to this area. I know there's water in the bottom of it. There's a bull, he's in there and you're going to go in there and you're going to learn something at least. You're going to see his tracks. You might call him in, you know, maybe wallowing in there, you know, but you know that there is a, bugling bull in that area totally yeah yeah i mean like if you like get super hardcore it's like okay so ideally every night we find three new elk or at least have three elk to hunt the next day here's the herd we're going to hunt in the morning uh and we kind of know ideally like we know where they're betting and where they're going so like maybe we can slip in front of them and that's a great tactic but midday we're pulling out of there we're not going to mess with that herd because we kind of know their routine. Let's go explore this area where I heard one bugle. I don't really know what's going on, but we go in there and we do a bunch of cold calling, do some cold raking, like try to figure out where this bull's hanging out. And, you know, by the evening, we're either going to go hunt that first herd or we're like, Hey, let's go, let's go get on, on this area. And this other bull I heard, and we're going to see what's going on. We're going to learn that herd. Right. So like the three phases, like in the morning, I'm probably going to hunt the herd that I know the best. It just depends like wind and, you know, setup and all these things. But like, just hypothetically, I'm going to hunt this herd in the morning, the midday, I'm going to spend like checking areas, checking tracks, checking, like, you know, for wallows or sign looking for that bull that's bedded somewhere that maybe I can rake in the middle of the day. And then the evening I'm like, Oh man, I want to just go over to this area. I know there's another a herd of elk over here. Let's just see what's going on and getting, you know, getting their bubble. But you're like, that's three different hunts in one day. Like that's increasing your at bats big time. Yeah. You walk in, if you walk in like seven or eight miles and you blow that herd out and you're camping there for a week and you're, you're screwed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, and that, I, I, I hear that a lot in the Colorado, you know, people walk in real deep, they get in there. There's a lot of elk in Colorado, but you walk in that deep, and all of a sudden you blow them out, you know, you're like, oh, dang. And, right. you know, 
that's one thing that I found that I I love to do is is just get on that Onyx and you're weaving, trying to find in between some public in between private. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Is they're they're going to congregate down there. There's no pressure. They're smart, yeah. and so you can get right on like that. I I shot a Roosevelt a few years ago, <clears throat> and it's it was gnarly. Like and we look down and then there's like an alfalfa field down there or something, and and um and few nice bulls down there like okay you know let's slip in there it's it was the gnarliest hike down in there everyone that hunts roosevelt knows what i'm like the type of stuff i'm talking about there's cliffs everywhere you're slipping down the whole way and we slipped down in there and and it's so funny because it took me all day to get him to go and i finally just tripped him and he bugled tripped him again he bugled 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 which roosevelt's killer like it was a next level roosevelt bugle and all of a sudden, I'm like, holy crap, I see him. And I, I'm like, I've run over to get, I run over right when he goes down below the hill. Because I know he's going to pop up right here. And it just came out at 20 yards and shot him and spent the next day and a half getting him out of there. But <laughs> it's it's just one of those things, man. And it, I found him the night before. You know, it's one of those things. I found him the night before. Like, okay, let's go hunt him in the morning. Yeah. You know? Dude, and that's awesome. Just, what, um... What advice do you have for people like, or maybe like, what do you think the biggest mistake people are making? You know, if you want to get from that, you know, like 90% of people kill, uh, or sorry, uh, 10% of people kill 90% of the elk. If you want to reach that 10% people who are like, man, I just want to consistently kill a six point every single year. What, what piece of advice would you give? Make sure you got some time. You know, <laughs> is it getting harder and harder every year to kill a six point bull, but man, it's just, it's persistence. Take advantage of every second that you've got in elk season. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, when you do get in that situation, take a deep breath, you know, and start, start, you know, moving how you need to move. Not, not because you've gone for three days and haven't heard a bull and all right. of a sudden he's, you know, you got it. You got it. You've done this before. You know what they're capable of doing. You know, let's just, let's let him do it. You know what I mean? This is, is there, there's, that's that five, 10 minutes sometimes that you run dead sprint in there and he could have been coming. You know what I mean? And it's just amazing when you, when you're slipping through or just taking your time. Like I, even when I'm slipping in on a bull, I'm still taking my time. I'm going boom, tree, sit down, wait, boom, tree. Cause I'm, I don't have, I, no one ever calls for me. You know what I mean? Never had anyone call for me. I don't, that's not why I'll cut <laughs> for, for right. me personally. I just, I want to call. And so I slip in, boom, 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 boom. And, and I'm calling behind me, you know, or just trying to, trying to, trying to just break that, break him loose. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? And I'm scanning the area. These are so many times that I call and that guy's coming in quiet. You know what I mean? And then that's, that's, that's reality elk hunting. And there's a lot of time. It's just, you look up and he's right there. If you're ready to rock and you have patience, you're going to shoot him. If you're, if you're expecting him to, to a TV show and, you know, come and <laughs> scream, you know, it's, it, it's not going to work out. Yeah. So, dude, that's a great, a great little thing that you mentioned, but like kind of skipped over is man, always be ready. Always be ready. Like, gosh, I don't know how many people like think it's like, you're going to have more warnings. So many times you don't have any warnings. Like, Oh crap. There he is. Like, I don't know how many times that's happened. It, it happens. It happens. I would say, 50% of the elk I call in a year. I would say 70% of the elk I call in every year. They're like, oh, there they are. You know what I mean? It's never, it's never, I mean, I can all, I, I'm, I'm really bad because I'm, oh, here he comes when he's not coming. You know what I mean? I get all fired up because I'm like, there's, I've done this <laughs> thousand times. He's coming. And then he doesn't come like, okay, cool. We got, we got a little time. Let's keep pushing in tighter. But you know, a lot of times, like I, especially with clients, we'll be sitting there and all of a sudden I'm like, I think, I think he could come in. I look over and there's no arrow knocked and here he comes up the hill, just walks right in. And then he gets in there and he bugles and the guy's like shaking. And, yeah. and you know, it's just one of those things. Like if you can get that arrow knocked, sit there every time you sit down, just get your arrow knocked, be ready, range a few things and you're going to be in a lot better spot. You know, just take that precaution. Especially if you're, if you're the shooter, you have one job and don't screw it up. <laughs> like yeah, be exactly. ready. 
most exactly. of most of the time, if it gets screwed up, it's not because you missed the shot. It's because you fumbled the opportunity. It's like, you know, if bull came in, you weren't ready. You didn't draw or like one of those things. Like you did so many times it gets fumbled versus like a missed shot. Well, I'll tell you one thing, and this brings up a great point. You know, um, a lot of my guys that hunt with me, I learned this a long time ago. A bull comes in, stays walking straight at you. You can't draw. There's nothing. I let him get in as tight as he possibly can, and I and then I'll draw just like this, straight back, and he'll jump back. But I just I go because I always have a mouth call in my mouth, and I'm nine ten nine times out of ten he's gonna stop for a few seconds. He will stop. You never know where he's gonna stop, but you know, not drawing your bow and letting him get in tight enough for you to for him to smell you is way worse in my opinion. Right. And it's, they will stop as long as you got a call with you. So everybody that's a shooter, make sure you got a call in your mouth. And if you're the caller and you hear him blow out, make sure you call. Is he'll stop, man. It's just incredible, you know. And there's sometimes that they'll keep walking around, then trying to smell you and you can shoot him. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's- the other tip I would say is um, that same scenario, bull's coming in and let's say the bull stops, but he's like kind of looking at you. I don't draw in that situation. I wait till he starts walking again, because if he's walking, yep. he will not like if he's stopped and he's looking right at you, don't, yep. I mean, you're less likely to get away with it. He's going to be looking yep. at it, but if he's yep. walking and like you, you get away with more, that's when, it's take, like, take, take when he has to jump back. Totally. Totally. So like hypothetically bulls coming in and he like, he stopped, but he's looking right at me at 30. I'm not going to draw then I'm going to wait till he starts walking again. And then I'm going to draw. Cause he's like, Whoa, what was that? You know, it's like that if he's moving, they tend to like not see as well as when they're stopped focusing. Yeah. And, and, and there's a lot of times, you know, they will be at 60 yards and someone wants to pull their bow back. Like just let him do his thing. Let it work yeah. out because a lot of times he's got, once they're stopped, they're stopped and you're not going to, not gonna be able to draw right right just let, let him keep coming let him move to the side let him do what he's gonna do and then draw and totally. so and 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 there's sometimes you know say a bull i've had a lot of times i'm the caller and the bull's looking right at the shooter and you think that it's over i'll take that tube and i'll just like slowly turn over and i'll scream right behind me and it'll just roll their eyes up and just come walking right the rest of the way in that's that 60 yard tactic that People always get to that 60, they're like, oh, I just won't come past 60 yards. A lot of times I'll, I'll bugle right there and, and or cow call and just get him to look towards me, come towards me, keep him coming the rest of the way. You know, a lot of what's, people. What's your favorite solo tactic? Like, you know, you would say that a lot of times you're calling for you. If you're calling for you, like what's, you know, the, the hard part about being solo is like, they always come looking right for you. So like, what's yeah. your kind of go-to solo tactic? Man, I throw, I throw calls off to the side. So I, I can, if you see me cow call, it's always out of the side of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I can just turn like this and go, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just, that, that's, that's my favorite thing. Like I'm trying to, I, I was hunting in Washington a few years ago and I get in here at this spot and I'm just slowly working my way around. There's bull tracks in there. It's a spot that um, I haven't necessarily hunted elk in a lot, but I know there's bulls in there because I see them during turkey season or the late deer hunt. And I'm walking along, looking down, and and I step on a twig, and he, and he bugles. I've been calling the whole way. didn't get anything. I stepped on a twig, and I'm like, okay. It's super thick on both sides. It's really thick, you know, Cascade Roosevelt type of stuff. And um, I get down in there, and – like, okay, I'm going to call him up the road because I'm going to try to get him out on this road because that's the only opening I've got here. And so what I do is I called at him for a second, just ah, ah, no bugling. And I, and I hear him starting to come. And what I'll do is I'll get my, my bow right in front of me, always right on my nose. You know what I mean? Breaking me up and I'm sitting on the side of the road. And then I started throwing cow calls over my back left shoulder. The road is on my right and just trying to get him to parallel come come across it's sounding i'm on a little peninsula there i'm not peninsula but a ridge and so i'm just trying to call down it it's sounding like it's in that other canyon okay. and so he com- comes out and like clockwork i i thought he was a small bull and then all of a sudden i see his tops and he's got a big kicker on one side and i'm like oh my gosh here we go and i cow call off to the side and he goes 
I'm like, oh man, is there little dinky bugles up until that point? And I'm like, oh crap. And I draw my bow right as he's stepping out on the road. And I'm like, I go, try to stop him. <laughs> he turns, he doesn't even, it's not, it's just a fluid motion. He turns, he starts walking right at me. And he's just, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I just, uh, and he's kept coming and coming. I'm like, okay, 20, 30, 40. And just <laughs> got it. And he came right up the road perfect. And he went 15 yards and I, it was in that thick stuff, just blew right through there and just died. No, and I, but I didn't, I thought I lost him, but I, I was like walking. There's like no blood because it was so close. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's rain. And I, and I just walked around this bush and he's laying there. I'm like, it was the biggest bull I've ever killed to date. And I was so fired up. And it's just, it's just, I've had so many times where it's just like directional with the calling, you know, it's, and that was, pu that's public land. You know what I mean? Like it's, they can do it. Like it, it's calling for yourself and not being afraid to make a sound when he's at 40 to 60 yards is part of it. You know what I mean? Especially if you practice a lot and you sound pretty good, you know what I mean? And just, just giving him, giving him a little bit of something the rest of the way. So Dude, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, they got me so pumped. Uh, yeah. I want to, I want to change top topics or change subjects a little bit. I want to talk about uh, your new call company. Uh, and you got to tell me about this bugle tube. This is kind of revolutionary and I kind of like it. I kind of got to get one now. Yeah, dude. So, you know, for years we've been talking, I don't know, but it's, you can see it, right? It is. Yeah, it's I can see cool. it. What, yeah. what we're looking at is this bugle tube, but it's wood. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I've been doing, you know, I've been calling the competitions. I've been trying to build bugle tubes for a long time. Like I built a metal one years ago. I built all sorts of plastic ones. I built them out of other materials, which we eventually will see, you know, uh, <laughs> but we got, we, my buddy and I were talking is actually my boss now. And we were talking and he's like, dude, like we're talking about like, um, I, we, I had talked about baseball bats and he's like, dude, I took an Aspen. I took Aspen bark one day and I turned it into a tube and it sounded so good. What do you think about wood? I'm like, dude, if we could do wood, I, I'm pretty sure it'd be like one of the best sounding calls out there. And so he, he took that started going to work. He's like, what are the dimensions you want? I told him and his buddy um, is a woodworker in Colorado and they've got this like 18, 1870s or whatever it was, 1900s or whatever uh, rail car from where they homesteaded. And, and it's got a lathe in it and all this stuff. And he's working on it and he brings me this tube. First one we ever made was out of maple. It's this big clunky tube and it sounded incredible. Like I, I killed that <laughs> rose with it. I hunted all these other places and it's just everything you do through the wood comes out perfect. Like when I mess up, it just mends it. So it's mm. in, in plastic, it's not forgiving and metal even more. So metal is very not forgiving. It's like, ting, 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 ting. You know what I mean? Uh, interesting. Yeah, of, yeah. Every, every like killer instrument out there, you know, like guitars and all this stuff are like, it's made out of wood. And so like at the end of the day, when we're talking about it, I mean, obviously it was going to be expensive, like trying to turn wooden tubes, is going to be expensive, but we're like, this is an instrument, man. This is something that you're gonna be able to give to your children. And the year that I won last year, he, his buddy and him made this one out of zebra wood for me. And I looked at it, my like, dude, this is a work of art. This is incredible. And we're in my room and I sit down and I'm like, you care if I try it? He's like, dude, that's why I brought it. Try it out. And I rip on this thing and I have never heard anything like everything I put through that thing made it sound that much better. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I am going to rake this year. <laughs> And I went, I went up and, and didn't lose one, one time, went all the way through worlds and, and, and won my first one. I mean, I've been like second and third, like every year. And I mean, I've got it all together too, like the, the calling, like the way I presented it, but then just added that much more to it and I hunted with it this fall. My dad would be calling with his call and he go, call, 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 no answer. And I'll just rip one off in mine. It's just like. And really? like, that's cool it, it is it is and then he and then i'm like okay we're it's like call 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 and i remember we were in nevada on this hill and there were six bulls in this canyon and they wouldn't answer him at all and i'm just like dad just take he has a deep timber sounds you know that deep timber sounds mm -hmm. like yeah. mouthpiece and i said just put it on this wood tube and try it 
and he screams off in this canyon and it just lights up. And he's like, he's just shaking his head. He's like, whatever, dude. Because he's he's been using it for so long. And I told him, like, I'm like, Dad, I said, you sound so incredible with this thing. And you know, the biggest we we wanted to come out with this product and this brand three years ago, but it's taken us this long to figure out how to manufacture them. Yeah. And so it's it's been it's been a long, grueling process. And, you know, we could have came out with a plastic tube. I built a lot of different ones through the years that I'm like, I really like this, but it's just, I wanted to start some, something in the calling is so close to me. I want a tradition. You know mm. what I mean? I want All something right. that I'm going to mark every time, every mark, every scratch, every thing is just, it's, it's something that I'm proud of. I'm not just throwing it in my, throwing it aside the back of my truck for getting it by a tree. And, you know, it's just, I, I just say, feel like I have that much more of a connection with my calling. You know what I mean? Dude, absolutely. So that, that thing's freaking sweet. Can I, can I ask, what are they going to retail for? How much, how much are these bugle tubes? So we actually are, are selling them right now for 330 bucks, which it's expensive, but this is something you're going to have forever. You know what I mean? And it's like, like, I just can see it. Like, like I've had mine and um, last year, I, you know, this, this hit a rock with it. And I remember where I hit that rock and you take a little linseed oil and put it over the top of it. It just <laughs> looks that much cooler than, than the year before. And I'm going to like this year, I'm going to start marking it. You know, every bull I call in right at the throat of it, I'm just going to. Dude, that's kind of cool. Um, how, how fragile is it? Cause I imagine like wood, it's either a really heavy or B like, I'm, I'll be afraid to break it. Uh, 1.4 pounds. It's not, it's not heavy. Um, dude, I've not been able to break them. So, <laughs> but I mean, I'm not, I'm not suggesting you rake with this right. thing <laughs> First one I've ever had. I raked with it every day and it's the best sounding thing I've ever heard in my life, but I would not suggest it because how, what happens to the sticks every time you rake with them, you know, they break. So it's, yeah. it's, it's an instrument you take care of it, but at the same time, it can take some abuse. You know what I mean? Dude, I think, I think this is. I think it's a smart, I think you'll sell. I think they'll sell. Uh, I, I, I do. I think that like most people are gonna be like, Oh man, that's crazy expensive. But I think once they start getting out there and it's just like, like you said, like, okay, how much is a Gibson guitar? You know what I mean? Like as an instrument, uh, I'm kind of curious how well it does. I I think it'll do well. Well, I mean, think about this. We pay $600 for a pair of Sitka pants. We're (laughs) we're going to pay a thousand dollars every three years for a brand new bow, or maybe let's say 1600 buy gps's brand new phone for a thousand dollars we're paying you know um we're about three hundred dollars into peak refuel um you know what i mean and this is gonna outlive all of that so you know that's just i just want like something that maybe this is something that you know you've used for eight years and you retired up on your mantle and look at that thing uh, yeah, now you got me wanting one. Just like it'd be so cool to have one, and then like you know, ten years later or whatever, and be like all the stories with that thing. I mean, it's kind of like you know having. You yeah, right. I mean, no one hangs on to their bows anymore. So you like as far as archery stuff, you you know hang on to your to your there's, bugle too. There's very few things as far as archery elk hunting that really you have to show for all the experiences. You know what right, I mean? Right. Kind of track shoes, your crispies, whatever. You're going to go through those every few years. I mean, it's true, man. It's my only problem is I lose bugle tubes. So like I would have to be very cautious about that one. <laughs> we're gonna, what we're going to do is we'll just have to start installing Apple air tags. I was thinking that I was like, can I put an Apple air tag on that damn thing? <laughs> yeah. That's what we'll do is we'll put it right into the, right into the, the um, cord, just hang it right off there. And then you're set. <laughs> totally. Uh, that's pretty cool, man. Um, and then are you guys, I mean, you're doing reeds and stuff now too, as well. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've been building reeds for a long time. You know, I built all my own calls. I build calls for every, for lots of other people. Um, and I'm telling you, like we handed them out at the show and people are like, dude, these are the easiest mouth calls, but I come from, I'm not just an elk call builder. I build turkey calls, which are very intricate. And so I'm bringing everything that I've learned together to build these calls you know i i understand what how latex works to the max you know what i mean and so we're building in my opinion some of the best mouth calls that have been produced probably ever because you're bringing bringing the best of all the worlds in this space in the hunting space in general and obviously you guys heard me run a mouth call i know i can make 
all sorts of stupid noises with it. You know, you got it. You got to understand how they go around. Dude, your, your turkey calling is phenomenal. I'll give you that. I'm super impressed. Uh, well, what's what's the website? Where can people check out these calls? Where can they order one? Uh, oh, you know, all that good stuff. www.huntriven.com. So it's Riven and uh, it's 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 pretty pretty awesome. I hope you guys go check out the website because there's some really cool content on there. I, I you know, I've, I've worked in the outdoor space for a long time and they finally like this is my my little baby so i'm allowed to use all of my content through the years and i'm so fired up like all my <laughs> content because i'm a wildlife photographer too and so like i get to use all my elk stuff i've taken pictures of like bulls at seaside on the coast where they're just screaming and on the beach and like and then you know all my hunts i've filmed through the years it's just so cool to be able to actually use some of that stuff well cool dude i'm, I'm stoked for you man um excited to see where it goes uh, appreciate you jumping on and, and best of luck this season, man. And with, the, with all your, uh, are you guiding this year or just hunting? Um, I think I'm probably, I think I got one hunt this year, you know, and I'm, especially starting this new brand, you know, that's pretty cool. I gotta, I get a hunt for myself a little bit this year. I'm probably going to start off hunting Roosevelt's in Oregon, which man, I'm just obsessed with it. I, you know, I, I've only shot one true Roosevelt and it was a few years ago. I've hunted them a bunch. These are so, so hard to hunt. And I, uh, I'm in love with them. They taste so good. Like they are like <laughs> next level. Uh, yeah. I mean, I grew up hunting Roosevelt, so I got to agree with you. Um, well, yeah, well, good luck this year, um, on all your adventures. Um, but, uh, but thanks for jumping on, man. Uh, awesome job and, and congrats on, on winning the world. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs>